Good to see you. Look at my, oh man, I got my subscribers. Everybody with the Opus tag, thank you for subscribing. Pam Love, good to see you. Aaliyah, good to see you. Starfield, good to see you. Man, thank you so much for your support, guys. Really, thank you so much. It's an encouragement to see you all. Thank you to all my patrons who support as well on Patreon. Thank you so much for everything you guys do. You guys make this possible. You guys have made this possible. Um, you guys are part of what we're doing here. Um, that, that's, that's at the end of the day, you guys are a part of what we do here. Um, if I'm here, it's, part, it's in part because of your support um, that I'm able to do this. If anybody remembers, when we first started the Reading Rant, I was doing it in a car. I was doing it in the car before I would go teach my class over at, at, at FAU, Florida Atlantic University. Um, and so before I'd start teaching, I would make sure I do my read and rant with you guys in the morning. And then afterwards I'd go run in and teach my course <laughs> or my courses, um, as a full-time professor. Um, and so because of your support, these doors have opened to allow me to be able to spend more time focusing on this. It's because of this that we're able to do the podcast. It's because of your support that we're able to now begin to dream about um, uh, content, books, uh, dream about, there's some stuff coming up that I'm excited to share with you guys. And right after my sabbatical, you'll be hearing about it soon. So of course I'm going into sabbatical, so it's an awkward time, but um, I'm taking a pause on everything to spend some time and rest. Um, are we still freezing over there? Um, are we are we freezing? Please let me know, because then I want to make sure that we're good to go. Anyway, um, we're here to spend time in the reading of the word, but I just wanted to just, you know, share my gratitude towards you all for your support, for your commitment to what we do. Um, it is because of you. Um, it's in part because of your obedience to say yes to God to support this, that we're able to do this every morning um and i am excited about the season that is to come um i'm going to before i even get started i'm going to put all this on the on the on the podcast <laughs> um this is our our last day before our sabbatical so we're going to finish lamentations today so i want you guys to go ahead and get settled as i um get things fired up on ig and quickly shout out where you're located while you're at it I'd love to just quickly shout out where you guys are located. I can't wait to put this map up. So when I come back from sabbatical, I'm just gonna start scratching off the map to point to the reach that the Read and Rant has made. People from all around the world have come together to read the word. That is exciting. People from all around the world have come together to spend time in the reading of the word. People, look at this. We got people from North Carolina, South Africa, Chicago. We have people from Kentucky, Texas. Look at you guys who are all here to spend time in the reading of the word. Look at all the Opus tags, man, I'm so glad. Lombard, Illinois, Ohio, South Africa, Auckland, New Zealand, Mississippi, um, here in the house, Columbia, South Carolina, Palm Beach, Florida, Tanzania in the house, West Tex in the house, West Tex, let's go, um, Tennessee in the house, Jamaica in the house, um, Martha's Vineyard in the house, good to see you, Nebraska, South Africa, Jambu, Knoxville, Tennessee in the house. Um, we got people from all over right now to spend some time in the reading of the word. So I'm excited about it. Corpus Christi, New York, Wheaton, Illinois, Florida in the house. Where in Florida are you located? Maryland, Arizona. Good to see you all. Happy Jack. Thank you so much for becoming a subscriber. Really encouraged by that. 
Tampa, Florida in the house, Ohio. We got Tampa. Wow, I got a lot of folks from Tampa here. All y'all are in my backyard now. I can say that. You guys are all in my backyard now. West Virginia in the house. Um, um, Houston in the house. Good to see you all. So glad you guys are here on my IG fam. I got Rwanda in the house, Cape Town in the house. We got Jacksonville in the house, New York in the house, Denver in Boston today, but Denver in the house in Boston. So I know you're probably adjusting to the time change. Pretoria in the house, uh, Minnesota in the house, Italy in the house, Michigan in the house. Guys, we have people from all over. And I can continue reading because you guys are all still Kilimanjaro, South Africa, the UK, Rhode Island. You got there's people from all over. I see the Trinidad flag, the New Zealand flag up. You guys are all here to spend time in the reading of the word. For some of you guys, this is the morning. For others, it is evening. For some of you, it's lunchtime. For some of you, it's super, super early or super, super late, depending on how you, you know, how you determine that. Um, some of you is 3 a.m. in the morning. So I don't know if that's super late for you or super early for you, but you're here to spend time in the reading of the word. And that's what we're going to come and do. And so I want you guys to go ahead and get situated as we read the word. We're in Lamentations chapter four. Um, and we're closing out the book of Lamentations today. This is our last read and rant before my sabbatical. Um, and uh, tomorrow I'll still come on for a little bit uh, to hang with you guys. But this is the last reading ran before the sabbatical. And I just wanted to spend time just to connect with you all. So I want to encourage you guys to go ahead and get there. I know some of you guys got places to go, people to see. And so let's get right to it. Lamentations chapter 4, verse 1. This is a meditational reading. I lead Bible study for our Patreon platform. But this is a meditational reading. Um, and in this meditation, all we're simply doing, we're just asking God, what is he revealing concerning himself? The second question is we're asking God, what is he revealing concerning people? And then the third question that we're asking God is what is he revealing concerning me? That's it. And that's what I want you to prayerfully consider. We are in a posture of receiving from God. This is a meditational posture, not a Bible study posture, but a meditational posture to hear from God, to hear what God has to say to us. And this is also an opportunity for many of you to be exposed to the totality of the scripture. I know many of you have messaged this before, and I can't say it enough. How many of you have said that just reading through the whole Bible for the first time has changed your life? It's changed everything. It's changed everything you think about when it, as it pertains to the Christian faith. It's changed your perspective of Jesus in a good way. It's changed your perspective of church in a good way. Some of you, it's dismantling a lot of things, but it's really bringing everything to light to help bring understanding. You're not going to fully understand it till you're exposed to all of it. And that's why we're here to spend time in the reading of the word. And so that's what we're going to do. Let's finish Lamentations. We read from Genesis and now we're in Lamentations. So let's do it. Let's get right to it. Lamentations chapter four. I'm going to pray and then we're going to get right to it. Father, I ask today. Lord, I ask that you would speak to us, Lord, as we close out on this book. Father, I just pray that you would do what you do. Lord, reveal your heart, your will to us. We pray that your spirit would be present among us. Father, I thank you that we've got people from almost every continent right now who's coming together to read the word right now, um, simultaneously to read your word. So, Father, I just pray that you would bless this time. Lord, bless us as we engage in your word. Uh, be with us, Lord God, as we 
seek to seek to receive your wisdom, not our own understanding and wisdom, but your wisdom in this, Father. So, Lord, breathe into this moment. And we ask that in your name we pray. Amen. Let's get to it. Lamentations chapter 4, it says this. How the gold has become dim. How changed the fine gold. The stones of the sanctuary are scattered in the head of every street, at the head of every street. The precious sons of Zion, valuable as fine gold, how they are degraded as clay pots. The work of the hands of the potter, even the jackals present their beasts to nurse their young. But the daughter of my people is cruel, like ostriches in the wilderness. The tongue of the infant clings to the roof of its mouth for, t- for thirst. The young children ask for bread, but no one breaks it for them. Those who ate delicacies are desolate in the streets. Those who were brought up in scarlet embraced ash heaps. The punishment of the iniquity of of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom, which was overturned in a moment with no hand to help her. The Nazarites were brighter than snow and whiter than milk. They were more ruddy in body than rubies, like sapphire in their appearance. Now their appearance is blacker than soot. They go unrecognized in the streets. Their skin clings to their bones. It has become as dry as wood. Those slain by the sword are better off than those who die of hunger. For these pine away, stricken for the lack of the fruits of the field. The hands of the compassionate woman have cooked their children. They became food for them in the destruction of the daughter of my people. The Lord has fulfilled his fury. He has poured out his fierce anger. He kindled a fire in Zion, and it has devoured its foundations. The kings of the earth and all the inhabitants of the world would not believe that the adversary and the enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem because of the sins of the prophets and the iniquities of the priests who shed in her midst the blood of the just. They wandered blind in the streets. They have defiled themselves with blood so that no one would touch their garments. They cried out to them, go away, unclean. Go away, go away, do not touch us. When they fled and wandered, those among the nations said, they shall no longer dwell here. The face of the Lord scattered them. He no longer regards them. The people do not respect the priests, nor show favor to the elders. Still, in our eyes... Sorry, still our eyes failed us, watching vainly for our help. In our watching, we watched for a nation that could save us. They tracked our steps so that we could not walk in our streets. Our end was near. Our days were over, for the end had come. One pursuers were swifter than the eagles of the heaven. Sorry. Let me read that one more time. Our pursuers were swifter than the eagles of the heavens. They pursued us on the mountains and lay in wait for us in the wilderness. The breath of our nostrils, the anointed of the Lord, was caught in their pits, of whom we said, under his shadow, we shall live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who dwell in the land of Uz. The cup shall also pass over to you and you shall become drunk and make yourself naked the punishment of your iniquity is accomplished O daughter of zion he will no longer send you into captivity he will punish your iniquity O daughter of edom 
he will uncover your sins. Lamentations 5. Remember, O Lord, what has come upon us. Look and behold our reproach. Our inheritance has been turned over to aliens and our houses to foreigners. We have become orphans and waifs. Our children are like widows. We pay for the water we drink and our wood comes at a price. They pursue at our heels. We labor and have no rest. We have given our hand to the Egyptians and the Assyrians to be satisfied with bread. Our fathers sinned and are no more, but we bear their iniquities. Servants rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the risk of our lives. Because of the sword in the wilderness, our skin is hot as an oven. Because of the fever of famine, they ravished the women in Zion, the maidens in the city of Judah. Princes were hung up by their heads, hands, and elders were not respected. Young men ground at the millstones. Boys staggered under loads of wood. The elders have ceased gathering at the gate. The young men from their music, the joy of our heart has ceased. Our dance has turned into mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. Because of this, our heart is faint. Because of these things, our eyes grow dim. Because of Mount Zion, which is desolate, with foxes walking about on it. You, O Lord, remain forever. You are thrown from generation to generation. Why do you forget us forever and forsake us for so long a time? Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and are very angry with us. Closing of the book of Lamentation. Um, this, what we just read, is a series, uh, and what we read today in, in, the, in our last reading, is a series of poems, and these are essentially songs of lament, and spoken by what many believe to be the prophet Jeremiah, and that's the reason why Jeremiah received the moniker, the weeping prophet. Because these aren't happy poems. These are poems of sadness, of despair. These are poems that point to a people who, um, to put it simply, are going through it. <laughs> these people are going through it. And even though these people are going through it, there's so many tensions that we find in this, and I think it's important for us to point those tensions out. These are the chosen people of God, the chosen people, the children of Israel, who <clears throat> are the children of the promise. And of course, the promise of God is the promise that um, God made to his children, that they would be chosen by him to bring righteousness and justice. And they just weren't the people. These people fell short. And even though they made a covenant with God, and even though they made a promise with God, 
they fell short, fell short of the promise. I say all this because as we've noticed in this writing, again, this writing written in a poetic way, this is what we would call an alphabet poem, or all of these are basically alphabet poems. They're broken up into 22 parts, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. And so each each verse that we read in chapters one through three, if you notice, I sorry, chapters one and two, they were broken up verse by verse, but they were basically phrase by phrase. And then in chapter three, as we read yesterday, we notice that they're broken up into chunks, three by three, because notice in chapter three that there are 66 verses. And so those three verses are each, each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Um, three verses were part of each letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So this, so, you know, this again speaks to the organization of this writing. These are well thought out words. You know, it's one thing for you to do what I do right now, which is a rant. I haven't really thought through my words. I'm just here to just express thoughts as we go. That's why it is a rant. Sometimes I'm all over the place. Sometimes I'm ranting. You guys all know this, and you guys are still here somehow, and you still hang with me as I go through the rant. But these 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 words are well thought out. Um, and that's the thing with poetry. Words are well thought out, well placed. And so there was a processing that this uh, a, that this prophet is writing, and as he's processing, he's writing, but he's writing this process in a very processed way, um, and and so it speaks to the fact that this is expressive, but it is well thought out. It is emotional, but it's well thought out. He's speaking for the people mediating but also putting words to what the people were feeling and it seems his attempt is to do it in a way that seems somewhat organized now why would he write it this way well he wrote it as a song and i think part of the reason why he wrote it this way is because again this was for memorial this is this was for a memorial for the children of israel these words would carry on even after he's gone. And so he's writing these words and he's speaking these words. Israel will see these words and Israel will remember these words because of how it was written and that it was written in song. The best way to remember something is in song. Let me say that again. The best way to remember something is in song. You can, you can have a hard time memorizing a book, but you still have like 30 songs memorized in your head. And the reason being is because, again, you have been programmed to take thought and heart and to put it together. The melodies attend to the emotion. The rhythm attends to the emotion. The, um, the timbre and the tone attends to the emotion. So these guys are reading this and they're going to read it over and over again and they're going to sing these songs. They're going to iterate these songs. They're going to, um, um, this is going to shape them to remind them of where they've come from. But they are in this moment. And so I point all that out to say 
that these songs of lament reveal to us a few things. And I want to share those things with you guys because I think it's really important. And I did point to this and I alluded to this yesterday, but it is important so that we know the context of this. This is the voice of a poet writing for people who are going through probably the darkest season in their history. For all intents and purposes, at this point, Israel is no longer a nation. It has been overtaken. The Chaldeans, the Babylonians are going to overtake it and they're going to give it a new name, a new name, a new region. Israel has fallen into captivity and they lost everything that they've celebrated up to this point. I mean, think about how hard it was, how hard they worked to get to this point, how hard they worked to arrive here, how hard they worked to get here. And yet it was by the grace of God that they got here. The stories that they probably read up to this point, the things that they heard about the glory days. Ooh, the days when Israel went through the wilderness and, and crossed over the Jordan River. Imagine them remembering and hearing those stories when they crossed over the Jordan and, and, and when they overtook the region, the Canaanites, the, the kings of Og and Bashan, and, and here they are talking about the exploits, the things that God had done to get them there, the victories that they, that they won in the midst of those seasons, the things that God had done. Imagine them speaking about this, the nation that they became. They became this nation and this people and, and, and imagine the, how beautiful that was and how proud they were. Imagine the stories that came there. Like imagine them speaking about how the, the, the victories that they won against armies that were much stronger than them, much greater than them, the things that God had done. They were here because of the grace of God. And yet these people somehow began to live outside of that grace. And so imagine I've, I've gotten here and, 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 and my forefathers and the fathers before me and all the stories that we read, the lineage of the kings. And, and we read this through first and kings and through second kings. And we read this through first Samuel and second Samuel. And then we read this through, uh, through Chronicles, the book of first Chronicles and second Chronicles. We're reading about this, but then what happens is Israel loses it all. We've seen the history and we can only imagine what history Israel is going through. The author of Lamentations takes away our imagination and allows us to look directly at what is actually transpiring, exactly how, how they're feeling. Israel has lost everything. For all intents and purposes, Israel has lost it all. They have no land. They have no rights. They're back to square one. Back to how things were before. Back to captivity. They went from Egypt to becoming a nation, blood, sweat, and tears, and now tears finding themselves now under captivity of the Babylonians. And some of them actually ran back to Egypt. <laughs> we, we read that before. And some of them ran back 
even though Jeremiah told them, let the Babylonians take over. The Babylonians now have taken over that region. Even the neighboring Canaanite nations, they've taken over that whole region. And so here we are. Why am I bringing all this up? Because there are people here who can associate with this. There are people here today who can associate with exactly how that feels. Remember the glory days? Remember the days where things were going really well? Remember the days when your marriage, man, it was beautiful. Or remember those days when man, the money was great. Remember those days where, you know, I was in a good standing. I felt like I was in a good relationship with God. I felt like I had it together. Remember those days? Remember those days when it seems, man, things were, were going well. And then all of a sudden, everything seems lost. And the only thing that you can point to is this was on me. I lost it along the way. How did Israel lose it? They lost it because of their forgetfulness. They lost it because the grace, which he gives grace for grace, grace on top of grace, grace, grace on top of grace, grace within grace, grace for grace. This is the grace of God. Grace There's an unlimited resource of grace, but it requires you to reach, to have access to that grace. And that access to that grace is a life of continual faith and gratitude faith and gratitude. Notice it isn't work. It isn't your ability. It isn't, um, it isn't how well you're following the Bible. It's about your intimacy with God, your submission to him. And for many of us, the good days were good because let's just be real and honest. We had nothing going on. You know, it's those days when you're down and out, man, those days when you were down and out, those were the days when you were so close because you had nothing to lean on. You were so close because you had nothing. You, you couldn't earn a single thing. You confronted your depravity. You confronted the fact that you were of no value, of no worth. When that scripture tells you apart from him, you can do nothing. That was you. That was me. It was definitely me. I remember those days. I remember those days when I had to confront the very reality that without God, I am nothing. Without Christ, I am nothing. Apart from him, I could do nothing. And here we are now confronted with that. And when we were confronted with that, that opened up the door, the floodgates of grace to allow grace to overtake, to allow grace to do grace's work, to allow grace to, to transform us, to allow grace to change us, to allow grace. Ever notice, man, think those were the good days. The glory days were the days when you knew you couldn't do anything for yourself. The glory days in your faith were the days when you knew you were nothing without him. The glory days 
were the days where you said, apart from him, I can do nothing. The glory days were the days when you, as hard as you worked and as much as you tried and as you felt, you, you confronted the fact that you are depraved and you fell profoundly short of the glory of God. And it was in those days and in those moments and in that time of susceptibility, it was in that time that you allowed God to do a work in you. Did you forget that it was in that time that things began to change in you because now it wasn't up to you anymore. It was up to the spirit of God to do it for you. The danger is, is where somewhere along the way you begin to think that you're the one who's doing it for yourself. Because the moment you think it's you that's doing it for you, that's the time that you fall off. And for many of us, we fell off when things got together again. You know, once the marriage got patched up a little bit, once I was able to get back on my feet. Once I was able to get it together. Once I was able to, you know, at that point, now that I, I got a little bit, now that I, I can, I, I got this now, and now I feel like I got a little bit of a grip on things. It was in that moment then that you began to release the grace and to not trust in your own capacity. That's the moment when pride begins to creep in you know, it's the moment when we began to think, those are my kids. This is my life. This is my thing. And I'm doing my thing. It's the moment when you begin to think, I worked hard for this. I was the one who was able to do this. I was the one that got myself here. I've been trying hard. I've been doing my best. It's in those moments that you go from grace to religion. It's the moment that you begin to now start depending on other things. It's a slippery slope when you begin to just trust in yourself over God. It's a slippery slope when you begin to trust in yourself over Christ. It's a slippery slope because when you came to Christ, you came to Christ knowing you could do nothing for yourself. You had no ability. You had no strength. You had no capacity. You were depraved. And it was in that moment that Jesus came into your heart. And all of a sudden, something changed about you and you began to transform. And then somewhere along the line, you got comfortable. And when you got comfortable, you began to think, I'm doing this. It's, it's how often I read my Bible. It's how often I do my thing. It's how often I go to church. It's, and then all of a sudden, when it became about you, then you began to think that you're the one now who now institutes your righteousness. And then it was at that moment that now you begin to think it was you and then you start letting go of the grace of God. And when you let go of the grace of God, then you started trusting in other things that you do. Now it's about knowledge. And then you went from knowledge to now I need to learn other things, to now pulling other things, not realizing none of those things actually gave you the grace and the capacity to be able to become and to, to, to get to where you are. But your pride began to creep in. And the slippery slope went from religion, to now self-glory, to now self-empowerment, to now self-care, to now self-glorification, to now, and then it became self, self, self that took you to now, how do I find out more for myself? Then instead of now the universe being under Christ, now the universe is somehow beholden unto you. Now the universe speaks to you. 
And so now you begin to look at the creation that God created to seek insight and clarity from the creation rather than from the creator. And so now you start pulling from horoscopes and you start pulling from other things because now you're your own God. And now you begin to worship other things. Now it, began, it was about power and about politics and about everything else. And somehow you lost Jesus along the way. Jeremiah has a name for that person. That person is a harlot. This was Israel, fam. When Israel had nothing, all Israel can do is trust in God. When Israel had nothing, all Israel could do was depend on God. When Israel had nothing in Egypt, they had to trust in the miraculous power of God. When Israel had nothing, they had to wait for God at Mount Sinai. When Israel had nothing, Israel said, we're not leaving this mountain unless your presence go with us. What happened, Israel? When Israel had nothing, Israel navigated through the wilderness, building a tabernacle and tabernacling with God. And everywhere they stopped, the tabernacle was there. When Israel had nothing, they watched for the cloud and followed the cloud. When Israel had nothing, they depended entirely on the voice of God. When Israel had nothing. But then Israel got to the land. And then Israel won, not because of their ability and their capacity. We read all through all of that. The victories were miraculous victories. The sun standing still, miraculous victories. They were miraculous victories all along the way. And now that Israel is here, somewhere in that, Israel started to feel like God wasn't enough. It's a scary thing. It's a scary place to arrive to when God isn't enough. It's a scary place to be when God isn't enough. Because the moment you start incorporating other things with God, the moment you start incorporating your religion or your ability with God, the moment you start incorporating your ideology and your politics with God, the moment you start incorporating your mindset, your frame of thinking, your worldview on God, you lose him entirely. Israel was chosen by God, but not Israel didn't see God was enough. And so now Israel began to incorporate everything else. But they were still okay with going to church. If, if it's okay, if as long as I go to the temple and perform those sacrifices in the law, I'm good enough. Sound familiar? As long as I go to church on Sunday, ooh, so many people think this is, this is working for them. As long as I go to church on Sunday, as long as I, you know, make sure I get, you know, my verse of the day in the morning, as long as I pay my tithes and offerings, 
As long as I, as long as I do that, then I'm good. Because I can put God in a box, walk into that box, and then when I leave the box, I'll go back to being my own God. I'll go back to being my own person, doing my own thing, living my own truth. You know, managing my own money and my, my own body and my own God and my own thing. And I'm my own thing. You know, yeah, I, I'll do my own thing. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. When, when re religion, let me make sure y'all understand this. Religion makes God tertiary in your life. Did you hear me? Religion makes God a side thing. Because religion somehow is about you doing something that gets God to do something for you. Religion's about my capacity, my ability. Religion's about let me follow these rules. Who cares who wrote the rules? But let me follow these rules. And let me do these things. And then I'll just do, just tell me what I got to do because I want to get back to what I want to do. So let me do what I got to do. Tell me what I can and can't do. Set up all the rules and then let me go back and do my thing. That's what, that's what religion does. And so what, what religion does is religion puts God in a box. Makes God a side piece. Puts God on the side. So that you can be your own God and access God whenever you need God. God becomes your sidekick now. God becomes your, your side piece. You're the Batman. God's now your Robin. It becomes transactional. Hey, God, I'm going to do my thing. You make sure you do your thing. I'm going to play my part. God, you play your part. And then once we play our parts, you know, everything will be great. Because it's only great if I'm living my best life. You know, God, just make sure you hold up your end of the bargain. And I'm going to do everything I can to hold up my end of the bargain. I'm going to do the best I can. But even though I do the best I can, you still need to do exactly what you said you would do. Even if I fall short. But God, you know, you better make sure you get me together. This is Israel, y'all. Israel is practicing the Mosaic law, the sacrificial law, and then afterwards they go and serve the Canaanite gods. And so Israel up to this point has now found that God wasn't enough. Yeah, I'll do horoscope on the side, you know, you know, I guess. Again, you know, God's word isn't enough, so I'm, I'm going to do this thing over here. And maybe, you know, uh, you know, let me burn sage and let me do all of that because, you know, I'm going to do that on the side because, you know, I'm feeling all these, these spirits and things in my house. So because I'm feeling all these spirits and things in my house, let me go and burn sage to ward, ward off those spirits as if God didn't give you authority and power because God's not enough. You know, I, I know what the Bible says about that, but, you know, again, pfft, who cares, you know? Like, I, I got to do my thing. Whew. The harlot. And let me make sure. I want to make sure y'all understand, fam. 
I am not speaking on a soapbox. We've all played the harlot. We have all played the harlot. Don't get me started with how many things we invite into our homes, the spiritual consequences of the things that we have done because, again, we've never fully sat in the authority that God has given us. No, Israel is Canaan now. And now Israel is paying the price. I'm done. I'm ranting. I just want to make sure y'all understand the context of this. Israel is lamenting now. Because the very consequence of all the Canaanite nations around them, they are now part of that. Because they're part of Canaan, they're going to fall with Canaan. And they fell with Canaan because they were a part of Canaan. And now that Babylon has taken over, Israel is lamenting. But here's the difference between Israel and Canaan. The difference between Israel and Canaan is that Israel still knows that they have a promise on their life. There's somebody here who knows exactly what I'm talking about. You know you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing. You know this ain't the way that you're supposed to be living. You know you're not really, you're not really doing what God called you to do. And you know, you know you're falling short. You know that you've depended on other things. You know that you've lost your dependence on Christ. You know that you've become so self-sufficient, so self-dependent, so about yourself that you've lost complete submission to the lordship and authority of Christ in your life. And you know that all that, you know where you're at. I know, I know that we've all been there. We've all been there. I've been there and I'm sure plenty of people have been there. A couple of folks might put a raise hand emoji and say, yeah, that's me. I've been there. Some of you are there right now. And here's my word of encouragement for you is even though you find yourself in that consequence, in that situation. You still don't for, still don't forget the promise of God on your life. This is the beauty and the grace of God. That even though the children of Israel see where they're at, they see how low they've come. They see how bad life has turned for them. They see how much what what turning from God really looks like. They see now, man, I've depended on other things and they find themselves in in a season of utter pain and brokenness as a result of their sins. They see all of that. But there's one thing they have that the others don't. There's one thing they have that the others don't. Verse 19. O Lord, you remain forever. Your throne from generation to generation. There's some of us, I, I'm just going to stick with those last three verses, last four verses. And that's really what I want to work for the next five minutes, if I have that. <laughs> oh, Lord, you remain forever. Your throne from generation to generation, even, even, even though I have fallen off. And even though I have not submitted to you in the way that I ought to submit, even though I haven't lived the way that I ought to live, there's one thing that sets Israel apart. I still know who God is. I still know his authority. 
I still know his power. I know who he is. Hmm. There's some people that have been distant. You've tried that thing. You've tapped into everything else. You've tried to mix in other stuff and other faiths and other spiritualities. You've tried to connect with, but there's one thing you can't take away is knowing who he is. The difference between Israel and Canaan is that Israel knows who he is. And because Israel knows who he is, Israel has something distinct from everyone else. They have an opportunity to go back to who they were. This is the beauty of being crushed. This is the beauty of being, of being broken. This is the beauty of when you're, you're in the potter's hand and the pot has gone crooked, the potter just mashes it back up and reshapes it again. You're still in the hands of the potter, even though you've fallen off. There's some people right now, you feel shame, you feel guilt, you feel everything, but there's one thing you got. And I want you to hold on to this. This one thing you got is you can't unexperience what you've experienced. You can't unexperience where you've been. You can't unexperience where God has taken you. And if you go back, you're gonna realize, I got there before. Not by my own doing, not by my own ability, not by my own capacity. I got there by the grace of God. God got me through those seasons. Not my ability. God got me through those seasons. It wasn't because I had strength or intelligence or resources or anything. God got me through those seasons. It was God that kept me from suicide. It was God that got me out of depression. It was God that got me out of those circumstances and situations. It was God that got me through that when I was nothing and nobody and everybody else said that and everybody has, else had no hope in me, no no, no kind of sense of, 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 of any kind of confidence in who I would become and, and what would happen and transpire in that moment when everyone counted me out, God still counted me in. And there's some folks, you find yourself here, but you have that experience. You know what it's like to have been there. And you're here now and it looks like you're in a familiar place. You're here now and it looks like, man, I'm back to square one. The only difference is, is that now you don't have to spend a whole bunch of time trying to figure out how to get out and wait for God to show up. You know exactly where he is. You know exactly where to find him. You know that lo the Lord sits on the throne from generation to generation. You ain't got to waste time. You met him before in your brokenness, and if you're broken today, you can meet him right there. You met him before when you were down and out, and if you're down and out today, you know exactly where to meet him. Don't tell me you don't know where he is because you remember you were there before. The difference between you now and you then is that you still think you're in control. So go back to the season and the time where you realize you're not the king over your life. He is. You're not the Lord over your destiny. He is. And when you finally bring yourself back 
to where you were, he can pull you out from where you are. You, O Lord, remain forever. Your throne from generation to generation. Israel got something that the Canaanites do not. They still know who God is. They still know who God is. They know who Yahweh is. And then they say in the next verse, and this is the tension we're left in. Why do you forget us forever and forsake us for so long a time? It almost sounds heretical, but that's what God does. He gives us a space to express ourselves, even if it sounds theologically incorrect. We're so busy trying to come to God with good theology, as if God doesn't know himself better than you. And as good as you think your theology is, God's theology is better than yours. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you got a PhD in theology. I don't care if you read the Bible in and out. I don't care if you got it memorized. God's theology is still better than yours. So why are you sitting around trying to make sure you got your theology right before you express yourself to God? Sometimes you're going to come to God with heresy. <laughs> there are things you might say to God in your time of intimacy that you would not say out loud. I know there are prayers I've prayed. When I go, if I pray this prayer out loud, people will go, does this guy, is this guy even a Christian? Is this guy even saved? Does this guy, does this guy even, does this guy know his Bible? Because it's what I know and it's what I feel. It's what I know and what I feel. And sometimes we come to God with what we know, but God wants all of it. He wants what you know, and he wants what you feel. And even if what you feel does not align with what you know, express it anyway, because God wants your heart. Even if it sounds like heresy to God, maybe you won't put it on a TikTok, but you can bring it to God. Let God do the work in your heart. Leave room for heresy when you come to God. Let the spirit of God reveal to you who he is. <laughs> Verse 20, why do you for forget us forever? Wait a second. Wait, you were just saying that his throne reigns from generation to generation. Why? And forsake us for so long a time. That sounds almost heretical. Wait, do you not know the promise of God? It almost sounds like they don't. Turn us back to you, O Lord. And we will be restored. Oh my gosh, the theology's back again. Awesome. Wow, the grace of God again. Oh wow, turn us back to you, O Lord. Notice, they said turn us back to you, Lord. They didn't say we're going to turn back to you, God. They're saying, God, we need you to do the work to turn us back to you. Oh my God, that's such good theology. <laughs> that's so good. As if we do it, and they realize, no, we can't do it. You're going to need to do this for us, God. Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be re we will be restored. Renew our days of old. Bring us back to the good old days. Great. They should have just stopped right there. They should have just stopped right there. Verse 21. Turn us back to you, O Lord, and we will be restored. Great. Renew our days as of old. Great. Wonderful. Close the book. Done. 
We got good gospel in there, good theology in there, good stuff in there. And then verse 22. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are very angry with us. As frustrating as verse 22 sounds, that's where a lot of us are. As frustrating as verse 22 sounds, some of us feel exactly like what this prophet is expressing to God in this poem. Unless you have utterly rejected us and are very angry with us. You know there's some folks in here who think that God is mad at them? You know there's some folks in here right now who think that God is angry with them? You know there's some folks in here right now who think that God has rejected them? Because if God was on your side, God wouldn't let you go through what you're going through. It's easy to coincide whatever you're going through in your life to God's rejection. It's easy for you to coincide what you're going through to God saying, I'm done with you. Not realizing that what you're going through is actually an invitation for God to come back into your life, to be dependent on him. And yet you find yourself in this tension Ready for this? It was never by your power. It was never by your ability. It was always by his spirit. And maybe today you feel like God's reject, rejecting you, but what if that feeling of rejection is a misinterpretation? What if it's an invitation to trust in the Lord with all your heart? What if it's an invitation for you to stop trusting in your ability and your power and your strength? What if it's an invitation to you to go back to how things were before. Those days where you felt like you knew nothing and could do nothing. And you were a child before God and God did the work in you to transform you. Maybe it's an invitation to go back to the good old days when you were ignorant, didn't know much and all you had was an experience with Jesus. Maybe that's what we need. We let religion take away what we had when we had nothing. We let religion take away the experience, the personal experience that you had with Jesus Christ when you had nothing. So today, let's go back to the good old days. When you were a child before your heavenly father. Today, this tension speaks to the heart of many people. And Lamentations ends right there. People go, wait, we need a good conclusion to the book. No, what Lamentations is teaching us is come to God with how you feel. Even if how you feel doesn't align with what you know. Come to God with how you feel. 
even if how you feel doesn't seem like a good conclusion of the gospel. Come to God with how you feel, even if it doesn't seem to align with what you've been taught. Let God do the work. God's not done with Israel. Even though Lamentations closes in their prayer, in this poem, in this book, closes with, unless you have utterly rejected us and are very angry with us. What a way to end a book. Yet somehow this book made it into the canon of scripture. Why? Because this is the part of the life of a believer. That it's okay to come to God and express to God how you feel. And if you feel like God is very angry with you, but then you know that God is a restorer. You know God can renew you, but then you feel like God is angry with you. My word for you today is you can come to God with that and let God reveal to you that he's not mad. He ain't angry. The enemy lied to you. God is not mad at you. His mercies on you every day. Father, I thank you as we come before you today. Lord, there are those of us who are even reading this and we find ourselves exactly where the children of Israel were in the book of Lamentations. And yet there's a tension here that what they're going through and what they're feeling didn't align with what they knew about who you were. And yet, Lord, even in the midst of their weeping and in their lament, they were still reminded over and over again of the goodness of God. Father, remind us of your goodness, even in the midst of all of it. And even though we find ourselves in attention, remind us of your great love towards us. Lord, we find Israel in attention, but we know how this book ends. We know how much you loved your children, so much so that you sent your only begotten son for them. So, Father, teach us more and more that it is okay, even in the midst of the tension, to express how we feel. For, Lord, even in the midst of that, in the simplicity of it all, Lord, you will reveal your heart to us. Bless us today, Lord. Guide us today. Lead us today. Lord, remind us today of your love towards us and your wrath that was satisfied in Jesus Christ. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen. Fam, I got to go. Please text me. 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. This is the last read and rant for a while. Um, seven weeks. <laughs> this is the last read and rant. And we'll be um, on sabbatical for the next few weeks. So I want you guys to go ahead and text me because I will be texting on the regular. I'll send words of encouragement uh, for you all. So I want to encourage you guys. Text me 954-231-1848. I will be back after a few weeks, but I will be taking some time off. I don't even know if I'm going to be posting any content. Um, You may not even see any content posted. Um, I may share some thoughts on on, uh, Twitter. So follow me on Twitter as well. I'll probably be on there sharing my journey. It's going to be a time of rest and reflection. It's going to be a time of consecration. 231-1848. Yep, 954-231-1848. It'll be a time of consecration, time of rest, time with the family, especially as we made this transition before we begin to ramp up in planting our church. Um, the Twitter name is Opus Frere, O-P-U-S-F-R-E-R-E. So follow me on Twitter. 
Um, I'm different on Twitter. I, I tend to be a little bit more comical and all that. But anyway, I love Twitter. I'm starting to really get into it. Um, and, um, and so, yeah, I want to encourage you guys to do that. Also, um, I will, my patrons, don't worry, okay? Do not worry. Um, I will be posting audio clips of my morning meditations. So it'll be short clip, just a short thought of morning meditation. So I'll be sharing that on Patreon as well. I know you guys aren't there for the content. I already know that you guys are there because you guys support what we do. And I, I'm so grateful for my patrons who support on Patreon. Um, there's some of you who've asked how to support on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Um, I want to encourage you guys to go ahead and support me there as well. Just click the link in the bio and link in the profile. All the info is there. Even the texting, you'll be able to text me from there. So just click the link in the profile or click the link in the bio and you'll be able to connect with me there. But I look forward. I look forward to the time uh, away, but I'm really excited about this next season. Got some amazing news. Of course, I'll be sharing it with my patrons first, but I got some amazing news coming up um, right after the sabbatical. So um, I'm taking time to, uh, you know, to step away and to rest before some of the just exciting things that are going to be happening in the uh, the months to come. So the year is going to end with a bang. Let's put it that way. We're going to be ending this year with a big, big bang. And so um, beyond coaching, yes, I see the flag. Yes, that's what's up. Uh, and so, yeah. And so, guys, keep me in prayer during this time. It is a time of rest. This is a time of reflection. Um I will be doing, uh, Julia, I will be on. So I'll probably take Q&A. So I'll be on tomorrow. I will be on uh, for a little bit. And so uh, I'll connect with you guys tomorrow. Um, I'll be in Fort Lauderdale tomorrow uh, and for the next few days. But, um, yeah, I will be back uh, seven weeks from now. Yeah, seven weeks from now. So keep me in prayer, y'all. Uh, but, yeah, stay connected with me. So 954 also, my email list, all that. Connect with me there. That way you guys can stay apprised as to what's going to transpire. Okay, end of August. Yep, end of August. Okay, I love you all. See you guys tomorrow for Q&A. God bless you guys. Peace out.